Hey, hey, a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds with the right plan and mindset anything is possible. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to today's Happy Productive Podcast. I'm super excited about our guest speaker today, Julie geske Peer. Did I hopefully didn't butcher your name, Julie? You said it perfectly. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And Julie is an amazing leadership coach, and I, I just cannot wait to pick her brain on today's show and hear all the amazingness that she has to share with us today. But Julie, will you just give everybody a couple of minutes of just background of who you are? and a little about you and what you do. Awesome. I would love to. But first, I'd like to just say thank you so much for having me on, Jennifer. I truly appreciate it. And hello to everybody listening. Again, my name is Julie geske Peer, and I am the owner and founder of Peer Performance Solutions, which we help organizations and individuals to lift performance. And one of the ways that I find super exciting to do that is help people with leadership. And I can talk more about that in a bit. I am also the author of Five Senses for Success, which became an award-winning finalist in the International Book Awards in 2022, so I was thrilled about that. And I love just helping uh, individuals, especially leaders, whether they're new or aspiring leaders or leaders further in their career where they want to enhance their leader, or sometimes they get into coaching those where repair is necessary as well. So I love working in that arena. Oh, that's so fabulous. And so it sounds like, do you work with the like owner of a business? Do you work with the leadership team? Do you work with all levels? Um, what does that look like? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> so I okay. have been, I've worked with, you know, executives at the C-level down through say director, manager type folks. I've even done trainings on leadership for individual contributors as well, because it's my belief that we all have the opportunity and ideally would exhibit leadership anywhere we are, no matter if we have people directly reporting to us or not. So really it can be anywhere within an organization from business owners or C-level executives to people on the line, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of our listeners have businesses that are growing. For my company, that's really what we help our, mostly what we help our business owners do is kind of get to their first seven figures in revenue and then to go beyond that. We are generally not working with, you know, big Fortune 500 companies, even though we do some executive coaching on the side for people at that level. But primarily, we're helping a lot of our business owners to grow and scale. Mm -hmm. And on that way, you know, as your business revenues are growing, you, you have to kind of transition from being that single solopreneur to having a team and then delegating to that team and having that team take over certain elements. Mm -hmm. And so along that way, 
what I see a lot of is the, is the owner having to kind of transition out of the I'm doing everything myself role and transition into more of a leadership. I'm delegating and I'm developing my people because mm-hmm. that seems such a, an essential component of this. And so I would love for you to just speak to a little bit of, you know, the business owners who are listening, who are in that transition phase. And what would, what do you see as some of the, give me like one or two of like their biggest issues when you're transitioning from being all, you know, doing it all yourself to Mm -hmm. having to now lead and develop a team. Yeah. So I love talking about that. So it is true that when we launch something for ourselves and we're more of a solopreneur, we do most of the elements ourselves and we come to trust our own unique abilities, right? Because we know what we're doing. We know how to move things forward. We believe in our quality and all of the capabilities that we've built. And as we add team members, because that's a big transition, there are a couple of things that can come into play. First, it's the delegating or letting go of some of of the aspects of running your business. So that is a key component that must be done if you're going to scale, because if you can't let go of some of those things, you still can't, you can't be one person and scale yourself, (laughs) if you will. You need to be able to start learning to trust a team to develop some of those elements for you. And when you have a team, then leadership comes into play, knowing how to have the right balance of leadership. So when I talk about balance of leadership, some entrepreneurs get into what they're doing because they're super passionate about something. They may have really great, depending on the type of work they're doing. So some are like really great in the people skills kind of elements. And those skills can be very, very beneficial in leadership. But maybe these people that are very relationship driven might not bring some of the clarity kind of aspects that are important, like how to set strategy, how to set expectations with your team members and how to hold them accountable. So those clarity elements that are equally critical. And then other entrepreneurs might be really good on this clarity kind of side, but they may not have those relational things. So that's the balance that I'm talking about is, to me, to be an exceptional leader and to scale anything, you need to have both those elements. Because if you just focus on one of those sides, you're going to have either unhappy people who are not clear on their how they're contributing to the bigger picture. And in either case, it is very difficult to clear. And when you have them melded together, it's a magic thing that happens because everybody understands exactly what's happening. Everybody is feeling good about the culture and environment and beautiful things can happen. Oh, I love that so much. And that getting that clarity, especially that resonated with me a lot of the the expectation, but then also holding them accountable for the expectation. Now, what happens when you hire somebody and they you feel like yeah they got the skill set they're the right person for the job but maybe they you need to like maybe they can't really do the role 100% mm-hmm. and so you know as the business owner you step away and then you see mistakes getting made and then you're like oh i got to get back in there and so when it when it comes to like when you're hiring a new person mm-hmm. 
what are some ideas or strategies or tips that you could share as far as, you know, making sure that you're developing that person into that role so that you truly can step away and get the results and have that expectation yeah. level met? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer on starting from the beginning. So I start when, whenever I'm in any role, whether now in my business or previously was leader in organizations, I believe it's important to start with the interview. I literally start setting expectations within the interview because I want to be very clear about what I expect in the job right away and what the onboarding and training process will look like. Entrepreneurs out there, it's really important that you make time to bring people on the right way because if you do not, you will probably have some challenges. I just will just say that right away. Because if they aren't brought in, uh, helped to understand, you know, shown the lay of the land, if you will, in your organization and how their role fits into the larger strategy, that clarity element I was talking about, and what specifically they should be doing ongoing and the specific training, they may have some of the skill sets already, but they may need to be trained in parts of it. We always make choices in training what's most, or I mean, in hiring what's most important to us. So when we bring them on, starting from that interview, you tell them, here's what I anticipate the job will be. Here are the parts that might shift over time. Here's how the onboarding process will look like. And, and, and here's what the ongoing training opportunities are. I'm always looking for people I believe will become autonomous over time. Uh, so when I'm interviewing, I'm asking questions around that. So again, starting right from the interview. Then when you bring somebody in, that first couple of weeks is really important to help them feel enmeshed into whatever your culture and organization is. So making sure that you have a thoughtful onboarding process right from the get-go will help them feel like welcomed because you want them to feel that and engaged right away. So, you know, from you, from your team members, from the colleagues with whom they'll uh, work most closely or clients if you're doing introductions that way, depending on what their role is. And holding their hand a little bit during that time frame or getting team members to help do that. So some of it can be the entrepreneur themselves and some of it can be team members helping get them into the organization with different elements. And then having periodic checkpoints ongoing. And it depends on the, the frequency depends on what kind of work you're doing and and how many team members you have and a lot of elements. So it could be weekly, it could be biweekly, it could be monthly, it depends. But making sure that there are ongoing conversations happening, both around performance and what's going well, especially highlighting that and where you see continued opportunities. But then also um, with time, how does this person continue to grow within the role? Uh, where do they aspire to grow? within hopefully your organization if they're doing well and things like that. And when things go awry, just to finalize this thought, when somebody's performance is lagging, having forthright conversations, that's, I would say, the most difficult thing for many leaders is to be direct and yet kind at the same time. So when I have those types of conversations with people, I always want to come at those conversations knowing that I want the best for them. It is not mm -hmm. because I want to be punitive or mean or whatever, cruel. I want to come with the idea of, I want the best for them. I want them to succeed. 
And here are the things I see getting in the way of success. I always come with a little bit of a discovery mindset first. Tell me what's getting in the way. I might be missing something. There might be a barrier that they are experiencing that I haven't noticed. So I need to learn that. So coming with that open mindset is important, but then saying, okay, let me work on that. But, or if there's not a barrier, how can I help you, you know, make this next move up to doing whatever the thing is. So. Yeah, I love this so much because it sounds like what I'm hearing though, is that the first thing is to actually, when you're the owner is to have that conversation, which so many owners, right? We don't want to have that conversation, (laughs) but if we have the conversation, but I love that, you know, sometimes things need to be said. It doesn't mean that we're not kind and it doesn't mean that we don't set the expectation level to be a win-win for both of us. But like those things do need to be said when you're seeing your people struggling in a certain area or they're not performing or you're not getting the result that you were after. Having those conversations, I think, are just a must. And I think, too, I agree. And I think that another thing that's really powerful that entrepreneurs can do or their team members, if they start having interim managers, is Go in and where you may not have been as clear in expectations up front, acknowledge that. Oh, I didn't realize I hadn't made this clear. Let me step back. This is what I'm expecting with this task. And I think I wasn't as clear as I could have been in the past. So let's talk through this. Can you see this working? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Giving them an opportunity to also say it's whatever they're experiencing. But being forthright, if you haven't maybe been as clear or made a mistake of other kinds um, that got in the way of this person's success because we could be contributing as well. I love that. And so what are some, when you have these conversations, I'll I'll use my my business as an example. Mm -hmm. So I have one member of my team and whenever I've had a conversation with her about you know, this needs to improve and, and, or like, here's what I'm seeing, you know, Hey, you know, this needs to improve. Here's how I see it could improve. Mm-hmm. She takes the feedback. She's amazing. And she gets better and it just gets better and better. Like every time I give her feedback, it's never anything like, Oh, why are you saying this? You know, getting defensive, any of that. I have another employee, non-employee contractor who anytime would get feedback, would go on the defense, always had a reason why, you know, it wasn't her fault, mm-hmm. would actually went so far as to like, she would call our clients bad names. And I'm like, our clients are amazing. These are great people. <laughs> um, and she would say bad things about the clients. Now she's no longer with us because it was just like a red flag that I was seeing. So Along this thought of, you know, as a business owner, we need to have the conversation, we need to develop our people, Mm -hmm. we need to be clear in our expectation level. And then when we have the conversation, you know, what are some like red flags that you you would say, hey, pay attention to this as a red flag that this person may actually not be a good fit for your organization? Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's the hardest part of leadership. So whether you're a business owner, as your audience tends to be, or any kind of leader, the hard conversations are the ones where we hold people accountable. That is the nobody says, that's the part I want to do in leadership, please sign me up for that. But we know it's a part of the job of being a business owner, being a leader, we we have to take that on because we're going to have times where things just don't go as well as we'd hoped. 
So when we have somebody who's not meeting the performance and we sit down with them, again, coming with that kindness or caring factor, uh, hopefully you've already built up a trusting relationship, which to do that, acknowledging their strengths and giving them positive feedback and all the things you would do to make sure you're developing a good relationship ahead of time. Because then when you get to the conversation that might be a little more difficult, it tends to go a little more smoothly. Now, we all know that in life, there are people who can hear feedback about themselves, internalize it and move on like your first example, right? And they make changes. And there are other people who don't want to hear that kind of feedback ever, (laughs) right? Because they don't want to self-reflect or change or any of those kinds of things because growth requires change, right? To become better at anything, we have to change something. And so when we have somebody who reacts defensively, I tend to, I've had that, I've had that numerous times in my, I've led for over 20 years. So I've had a couple of different situations in different companies where that has happened. And I name it. So like, I hear you're reacting in a way that seems defensive. I'm wondering what's leading to that. So I try to come with a sense of curiosity and naming the behavior. And that can sometimes work to get them to start looking inside a little, sometimes not. So again, it depends on the individual. And I mean, I would have a no-go on any name calling. So if I heard name calling, like your example said, I would say, you know, name calling to me. So I'm big on whenever I go into a new culture as a leader that I've been hired or in establishing my own business, I am very big on setting the cultural expectations. So that is a process that happens. And when anybody new is brought in there, that's talked about. And these are the expectations culturally. So I would be able to easily point back to, we've talked about these expectations for our team. We do not do this kind of behavior. And I don't want to hear this to me about other people either. This is not part of our culture. So I would call back to anything I've said in the past. Now, if you haven't, done that kind of pre-work, like I talked about from interviews or team setting or any of that, you know, it's okay to still name it. Like I'm hearing some names. I don't really like that kind of behavior. Can we continue this conversation without that kind of talk? So Mm -hmm. again, just naming it, not judging it. So I just would prefer not to have that. That's not what I want our team to act like. Sometimes by calling a a spade a spade or whatever the situation is, it shocks people because that directness is not part of what a lot of people do in conversations. But again, I'm never doing it in a way, well, when I'm in my best leadership, I've certainly made mistakes, (laughs) but I'm coming at it in a way where I'm just naming it and I want us to figure this out together and let's try to move forward. So I sense you're getting a a defensive reaction. Maybe I'm misreading it. Wonder what's happening. Can you talk to that or something to try and understand more about what's happening? And then always circling back, whatever the behavior was, uh, you didn't get back to the client in one business day like we expect or something. I'm making this up, but mm-hmm. so what happened? Was there anything that got in your way? You know, I'm always looking for, are there barriers in our processes that I need to fix? Um, Or is there something else? Otherwise, if there are none of those surfacing, 
okay, I want to reiterate my expectation is that we will get back to clients in 24 hours or whatever the case is. And so do you believe you can do that moving forward? Because this client felt dissatisfied when they didn't get that reaction when they expected. And, you know, always asking, do you believe you can do that? What do you think would get in the way of you doing that in the future? So always asking that individual to react to what I'm saying so that anything that they're thinking or feeling or whatever may be happening for them, because I've seen a wide gamut of things, can be surfaced and dealt with directly. Mm, I love that. So very, very helpful. And we also, we recently had um, a person on our team who, and you know, it's interesting. Anytime I've ever had to let anybody go, if I go back and I look at the first two weeks that they were with us, the behavior happened then, but I didn't pay attention to it. Because you're optimistic, you want it to work, you've just gone through this hiring process, which most of us when we're busy, you know, to set time aside to go through the hiring process, you know, you want things to work. But a lot of times those behaviors, every time I've ever gone back, like they surfaced in those first two weeks, and I chose to ignore them or overlooked it or whatever. But one of the things that it took me actually took me a little while to kind of figure out with this person is it, I don't, I don't know the best way to describe it. It was like mean girl, mean girl behavior where she would just like cut down a member of the team, but she had a perfectly legitimate reason for doing it. You know, like, well, I'm trying to protect the brand. So it's okay that I just, you know, bit somebody's head off because of however they posted on one of our platforms or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so just little pieces like this of this kind of mean girl behavior, which is not part of our culture at all. And we're not about shaming people at all. Clients, our team, nobody. And so <laughs> how how would you speak to this? And I think you know what I'm talking about when I say some yeah. of that like mean girl stuff. And yes. I would love for you, love to get your take on what's driving that mean girl behavior. And as a leader, obviously we can fire the person. I, I, that's almost in some ways the easier way, but it's not always easier because you've spent all this time like developing somebody and getting them up to speed and onboarding them. So to just always be firing people is not necessarily the answer either. So mm-hmm. how, how would you address, you know, some mean girl behavior if you saw that on your team or what advice would you have for the leaders who are listening here? If you've got a mean girl on your team, I, I actually just had friends at lunch with a friend the other day. She's not a coaching client, but of course we're, we're breakfasting and she's talking about two mean girls that are ruining the whole dynamic and their whole company and the whole corporate yeah. culture because of these two mean girls and the owner isn't doing anything about it. So I know this happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. So how, how would you speak to that? Yeah, a couple of things I want to say. So first, I'll just say, before I get into how I address mean girl, I will say, notice in the end of what you just shared, those two are impacting the team and the rest know the owner isn't addressing it. When right. we as leaders don't address things, our teams always know. And our star performers are going to get unmotivated as a result. So make sure you're addressing whatever the poor performance elements might be, because it will impact your um, good performers in a negative way. So that's just one thought as you finish that example there. Yeah. With regard to the behavior itself. So when you described, for instance, the first two weeks of the one individual coming in, 
and got a little mean to a colleague, it sounded like, about a post, right? And protecting the brand was the reason. Wow. I don't know who it was. So Sue, Sue, wow. I love that you want to protect our brand. That is the exact kind of behavior that I want to see in this organization. I'm wondering how you could have done that following the rules of cultural expectations we've talked about, because this way that you did it seemed outside of that. What do you think Mm. you could do differently in the future? So getting their brain engaged, they probably have an answer they could have done, but they didn't take the time to do it or think it through or whatever. They just reacted. Sometimes people come into organizations with a whole host of habitual poor behaviors that haven't been corrected elsewhere. So I can tell you uh, the last two uh, full-time jobs I had, I was hired to repair team situations. And I had to deal with that because the habitual bad behavior is very difficult to break. But if you come and if, or if you hire and you set those very clear expectations, it's always easy to point back to, okay, this way you handled it with Joe or whomever, this way you handled it fell outside of these expectations. Can you see that? And how could you have done it in a different way to protect the brand, which again, I love, you know, always making sure you're validating the positive, even in the tough conversations, right? So that they know you're going to give them credit for the good things they do. Because when we give credit, we build trust. And when we recognize and observe and see what they're doing that is positive, they are more willing to listen to our critiques of things they could do differently. And trying to get their brain engaged in it helps with the ownership of it next time. They will feel more ownership to behave in a different way next time. Did that help? That helps so much. Mm -hmm. Julie, I have a whole slew of employee issues that I'm just going to just be like, Julie, how would I handle this? Julie, how would I handle this? Because it's like, (laughs) it's so, so good. It's so good. So, okay, same employee, you know, she's, she's been fired. And I'll I'll tell you right now, Julie, I'm probably a little too quick sometimes because (laughs) when somebody lies to me, you're fired. You're fired. Mm -hmm. If you come to me and you say, hey, I'm behind on this project. Hey, this didn't get done. Hey, I need more time. Hey, I'm out of my depth. Hey, I need some help. Okay, fine. I got no issue with any of that. But when you say to me, it's done, and then you mark the Asana task done, but it didn't actually get done. And when you dig in and you find oh, you actually didn't do any of this stuff. All you did was check the Asana task that it got done. And I trusted you that it got done. And then when we look and it's not done, and then when you do that to our clients and you're doing it to us, you're fired. But (laughs) it's Julie. So there's somebody (laughs) listening right now who has somebody on their team who is possibly exhibiting this kind of behavior. And because we're busy, and I don't necessarily want to micromanage my people. I don't want to have to go back and actually check, you know, was it done? But if you start to see some red flags of like, hey, wait a second, this was marked done, but it's not done. So mm-hmm. what would that conversation look like with the person who is essentially saying things are done that are not done? In my world, that's lying to my face. I don't take that well. 
I already have trust mm-hmm. issues. If you listen to this podcast and you know, those of you who have been on my podcast, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Jennifer had a lot of abuse in her earlier years. And so that, you know, it's already trusting is already a bit of a stretch. It's like, okay, but I've trusted you to come into my company and, and, and really I'm trusting you to take care of my clients. And that to me is the biggest, like, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to trust you to take care of my clients. If you screw me over, fine. But if you screw them over, oh, it's it's a war. It, it's on now. But what would that kind of a conversation look like when you're just like, this person is actually not doing the work that they say they're doing or they're misrepresenting what they're doing? Well, as soon as I learned this, that the Asana te- had been checked and none of the work was done, I would have immediately called the person into my office immediately or had a Zoom, depending. A lot of workplaces are going more virtual, right? So then we do Zooms um, or whatever platform you use, team, Teams. At any rate, I would immediately want to meet and I would start the conversation being very clear. So I'm a direct communicator and I believe that directness and kindness melded together are make the best conversations, right? For any situation, a whole lot of other stuff, but those two direct things or two specific things are helpful. So I would be forthright and say, John, I need to talk to you because I learned something that I'm really unhappy about. And it, it I'll be forthright if I, I, I have trust issues too. So I am perfectly honest when I say this, I'll be forthright that learning this was a little bit of triggering for me because trust and being honest is really an important characteristic for me. And again, if you've had conversations about for, you know, transparency, honesty in any of your cultural conversations, you can tie to that. I recently learned that you checked off this task or series of tasks in Asana and the work didn't actually get done. And then I'd pause for a moment. They may jump in, they may not. If they jump in, I would kind of hold up my hand and go, I want to tell you what impact this has had before we continue our conversation. And then I would talk about the impact. So whether it impacted a client, a colleague, yourself, whatever the impact was. When I've learned this, I'm finding myself really upset, but I want to give you a chance to explain how you came to make this choice. So I use the phrase, make this choice intentionally, because everything that we do in our roles is a choice, whether it's inaction, action, or lying actions, right? Like we're talking about here. So I like to use that phrase. Can you explain what led you to make this choice? Because that was a choice, a conscious choice. And so then I would be silent and wait. And then I would adapt the additional conversation depending on what I was hearing. So it would depend on that. Sometimes the right answer is that can't happen. I can't have that. I'm not hearing you take accountability or understand the gravity of this. You know, whatever your HR policies are, you know, there are in larger companies, if you have an HR department, you're going to have specific policies and ways you're going to handle performance issues often with a performance improvement plan first and that kind of thing. When you're entrepreneur and you have complete control, sometimes you can go directly to that, we're done. <laughs> if you're in the, pro- the probational period of any hire. So whenever you see red flags and all of these kinds of difficult situations can be red flags, 
mm-hmm. up in the probational period, I think it's really important to deal with those right away and not not talk yourself into ignoring them. So because these conversations are the difficult ones, because you don't know how the other one's going to react. And there are many people in this world that don't like conflict, and these tend to be a little conflicting, right? It's easy to talk yourself into ignoring them, but don't, especially in that probational period, because that's the, you know, we have this 90 days, you're not meeting what I'm expecting. I can't give you another chance at this point, right? This is, this is a no-go. <laughs> I can't do it. So it depends on where yeah. they're at, what their explanation is, and all of that. This is so helpful, Julie, because honestly, the the one person we spoke about, the first time that she jumped down another employee's throat, I didn't even hear about it until kind of after the fact, because um, mm-hmm. I wasn't in the conversation, I wasn't around. And obviously, as business owners, like we can't know every single thing that's happening. And as we build our teams, there's just a lot happening that you won't know about. But I truly was just like, I was shocked. I was like, what? Like, what? And it, mm-hmm. it's so unlike anybody else on our team to to act like that, that I was just almost like I didn't even know what to do with it because it took me some time to like, and then it happened one or two more times. And I started hearing from other people on my team, oh yeah, she did that to me and she did that to me too. And then I started to see the pattern But it took some, it was kind of after the fact when I went back and looked at it that I was like, wait a second, like that mean girl stuff has been happening the whole time. And it was, and then she started to do it to me (laughs) and I didn't, I didn't have you as my coach, Julie, to say, okay, Jennifer, here's how you should handle that. Because once it had gone around the whole team and then it was getting back to me, it was like, it kind of had gone too far. It's like, you've gone too far with that. But looking back as the owner, I realized now, like I, I should have, the moment I learned about that should have addressed that behavior directly. And I love that you gave everybody listening a way of how to actually address that behavior. Um, it was just so un, like shocking. I'm like, what? Like, huh? Like, is that really happening? And then it kept happening, kept happening. So I love now you've given me a tool to be able to handle this next time, because next time I will be able to recognize it and see it so much sooner. And you know, what do they say? Business growth is personal growth. There's always opportunities for us to like learn and grow and recognize things that we don't recognize, right? Yes, I agree. Leadership is a journey. And we don't ever get there, right? We're continuing on a path and we learn from each situation that we encounter. And as we uh, encounter individuals, listen to things like podcasts and read books and experience things in in our workplaces, that's how we learn and add tools into our toolkit. So I'm happy to add a few tools here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it so, so much. Okay, this conversation has been so amazing. I could obviously ask you lots of other questions about, you know, <laughs> troubled people. And I hope that when you guys are listening to this, that right now on your team, I'm going to take a wild guess here, or because I'm psychic, <laughs> that you probably have, if you have a team, there's probably somebody on your team which is doing something. And there's some red flag that you're probably ignoring that you probably don't want to have that conversation about. And I want you to listen to this show and listen to Julie 
and then take what you've learned here and have that conversation and do it now before it gets out of hand, before you end up having to fire them, before they, you know, upset other your key team players. Like, don't ignore those red flags. Have, and I love what you said, to pair direct and kind together. Have that kind, direct conversation. Right. Thank you. I I love what you just summarized. And um, I, I believe that's really, really important in how we approach those individuals where the challenges are arising. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I will yeah. also add, too, that we can, when we do the team expectation settings, the cultural settings, we can remind. So when we bring a new person onto our team, we in one of our group meetings, I just want to we have new Joe here. Let's go through our cultural expectations again and remind everybody at the same time as Joe is hearing them, go through them, talk about when you see things outside of this, I want to hear about it, really encourage people to come to you when things don't seem to be fitting that and and maybe uh, people will bring things to you quicker than they might have otherwise if that wasn't said out loud for everybody kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, will you share where people can find about more about you and your brilliance and all this great work that you're doing in the world? Oh, thank you. Uh, Peer Performance Solutions is one of my websites. And then juliegeskypeer.com without the hyphen, you'll see my name uh, in the podcast. And the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you buy books. And there are contact, ways to contact me through those two websites, or I'm also on social media. So feel free to find me there. Awesome. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, you guys. So you've heard the show. Now you got to take some action. You got to get out there, find that red flag. You see it, you know it, stop ignoring it and go have a conversation. And now, thankfully, you know how to have that conversation in a kind, direct way. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening today. Now get out there and have a happy, productive day. Bye. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. She Leads Podcast Network.